0: You're listening to audio from Cibolo Creek Community Church. To learn more, visit CiboloCreek.com. So last week we started this discussion, a new discussion on the topic of the great adventure. And I was really excited about everything I had to share with you. And we were ticking along and I was just loving the experience of what we're doing. And then we were rudely interrupted by the clock. And the clock indicated that I had to stop and I wasn't quite finished yet. So we made this executive decision that we would stop there and then just pick up where we left off. You remember that? So the next church that I start is going to be in Hawaii. And the service times will start at 10, but there'll be no finish time. We'll just go until we're finished, right? Now, nobody will come to that church, of course, but I live in Hawaii. So I'll just go to the beach and I'll surf or scuba dive or something fun like that. So last week I was, I was wanting to set the stage or to lay a foundation for what I'm asking you to consider. And I began by introducing to you... Um, some important things that i'm learning about the way that life works some things that i've been mauling over now for quite some time and i'm becoming more and more convinced that the better we understand these basic principles of the way that human life works the better we're in a position to understand some of how our spiritual journey works and so um Here's some, just a quick review, because I never have the same people in the room Sunday after Sunday. So if you're just joining us, let me just do a quick review of catching you up with what we covered last week. So I was discussing about the fact that there are two essential components to life. There's no exceptions. These are true of every single person, regardless of age and gender and marital status and socioeconomic strata that you fall into. It, it, it's true of every single person on the planet. Our life is a use of time and a distribution of energy. Everything, from monumental to mundane, everything takes time. I don't care if you're washing the dishes, I don't care if you're going to work, I don't care if you're out for a run, it takes time. For some of us it takes a little bit longer time than others, but it takes time. Seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. And everything that we do is a distribution of energy. Creative energy, mental energy relational energy personal energy everything's a distribution of energy and why that's so important to understand and again i'm setting the stage for where i'm taking you with this discussion um, why that's so important is how you spend your time and how you distribute your energy writes the story of your life no exceptions the story of your life will be told as an ultimate reflection of how you spent your time and how you spent your energy The second really important principle that we have to understand about time and energy is this three important um, activities that's true of every single person. Again, no exceptions. And that is that everything in life is something that we think that leads to a choice that then responds in some sort of action or, uh, or effort. In fact, when you decide not to do something, you're actually doing something. When you decide that you're not going to exercise, then you've chosen not to do something that's very important in your life. But you've chosen not to do it. You're still doing something by not doing something. So everything that we do in life, every single thing is a reflection of choices that we've made. And those choices that we've made are a reflection of some way that we are thinking about that particular situation or that, or our life. Does that make sense? You remember that? So, here's why that's good news. This was an important learning in my own life personally in the last nine years. If there's something about my life that is unhealthy, if there's something about my life that's unproductive, if there's something about my life that is unfulfilling, Ultimately, that's all on me. I could spend the rest of my life blaming other people, which is very popular these days, to blame other people for the problems that we're facing in our life. But ultimately, it comes back to us because it's a reflection of how I've thought, what I've chosen, what I've decided to do. So why it's so important is that if there's something that's unhealthy, unproductive, or unfulfilling in my life, I can rewrite that story. I can change the script of my life. And the way that I do that is I have to start thinking differently so that I make different choices. And I have to make those different choices with enough consistency that I develop new habits, new ways of going about life, new disciplines. And I can change the way that my life reads. Does that make sense? Okay. I love this verse, I love the book of Proverbs, this is one of my favorite books in in the Bible, book of Proverbs, this is one of my favorite verses in the book of Proverbs, because it's so profound in an understanding of life. And the writer says this, as a man or as a woman thinks, The process that we go through in our mind develops the paradigm for which we look at life. As a man or woman thinks down here in the central core of his being, that's what he will become. That's what she will be. Think, choose, do. Time, energy. Okay? The other thing that I was sharing with you, again, all preparation for what I'm wanting to introduce you to today is that there's, there's these two um, elements that influence how we experience life every day, every week, every month, every year. No exceptions. And those two elements are our perspective, how we choose to look at things, which then influences our attitude, how we feel about things, or ultimately how we react to things. And so if our perspective is negative our attitude will be negative if our perspective is generally critical judgmental grouchy that's what our attitude will be if how we look at life is positive compassionate gracious largely that will be the attitude of our life which will then shape how we experience life as it comes at us make sense So I believe that time and energy, think, choose, do, perspective and attitude influences every arena of life. Marriage, raising kids, going to work, hobbies and interests, ambitions, finances. But what we're here to talk about is what we call a spiritual journey. Whatever words you use for it, spiritual journey, we're here to talk about Christian life, we're here to talk about following Jesus, we're here to talk about a life of faith, whatever terms you use as a reference for describing sort of a pursuit of following Jesus and learning about your faith, time and energy, think, choose, do, perspective and attitude comes to bear on that i'll say it this way how we look at our spiritual journey determines what becomes of our faith does that make sense so by way of review from last week if we look at spiritual journey as just a bunch of obligations these things that we have to do because it's in the bible and if i want to be a good christian i got to do these things and i got to read my bible i'm to say my prayers i got to go to church i got to put money in the offering plate if you look at spiritual journey as just one big list of obligations that's what's going to become of your faith. And I'll just tell you, it's, it isn't fulfilling. It's exhausting. It's disappointing. It's disillusioning. If your perspective of faith is just performance, it's points that you earn to get God to like you so you'll get to go to heaven when you die, again, that's exhausting. And it's completely lifeless. And you'll only last that way for a certain number of years. And then you'll just throw your hands up and say, this is a waste of my time and energy because it's not fulfilling. There's no return for it. If you look at your spiritual journey from an apathetic perspective, like, well, I raised my hand, I said the prayer, I went forward, I I invited Jesus into my life, and now all I'm doing is waiting until I can go to heaven when I die, because that was the promise. And all these years between that time of making a decision and the time of your departure is just spent like, I don't know what to do, I'm not even going to bother with it. If that's your perspective, that's what's going to come out of your faith. You're going to have a very apathetic faith. And then if your faith... Your spiritual journey is largely selfish. What's in it for me? God exists to be my celestial butler, to make my life wonderful. If that's your perspective, that'll be your attitude and that will eventually shape your experience. Make sense? So I'm inviting us to consider something different because here's the deal. If your perspective of following Jesus is incorrect, you'll never experience it in the way that was intended. If Jesus is inviting us to follow him in this direction, but our perspective on it takes us in this direction, we will never know the life that Jesus is inviting us to enjoy. It's just as impossible. So here's my proposal. What if? What if we thought about spiritual journey differently? What if we thought about following Jesus as an adventure? Like we don't know exactly what's ahead of us. We don't have an answer to all the questions. We don't know how it will unfold. But we're going to go on an adventure of following Jesus, recognizing that there may be things along the way that I don't completely understand, but I know who I'm following. Now, why would I propose the word adventure? Well, because following Jesus, you ready? Following Jesus is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. And here's the deal. Faith by nature is mysterious. It's mysterious and it's rooted in the realm of impossible. In other words, a life of faith means anything could happen. Faith by nature is unfamiliar. To go on an adventure of following Jesus, we may find ourselves in territories like, I've never been here before. Faith by nature is uncomfortable. I I don't even really like where I am, but I'm on an adventure. Faith by nature is risky. Jesus may take us in places or ask us to do things that may be incredibly risky, particularly in relationship to a larger world that hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus. So what if we could go into following Jesus, becoming a little bit more comfortable with, Maybe being in unfamiliar territory, not having all of the answers, not knowing all the details, being a little bit of outside of what's comfortable for us, and to embrace what comes with risk, because what often comes with risk is reward that you can't discover otherwise. All right, so here's, here's where we had to stop last week there's a passage in the Gospels where Jesus makes a particularly interesting statement and I want, us, I want us to take a look at it it's found in John chapter 10 Jesus Jesus said very truly I tell you whenever Jesus starts something with very truly I tell you that's intended for us to sit up and take notice now Anytime Jesus speaks, we should sit up and take notice. But he's saying, this is particularly important. Like if you're going to miss anything, don't miss this one. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. (laughs) What? Okay, he's using a figure of speech. He's not really a gate. He's using a picture that would be very familiar to his audience because they grew up with shepherds and sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the point of entry for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved or rescued or will be safe. You with me so far? They will come in and they will go out. These sheep coming through the gate, they will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. They'll always have enough of what they need. Now the thief the thief as opposed to the shepherd, the thief comes only to steal to kill and destroy the one who comes to attack the sheep has no good intentions toward them but I I the gate to the sheep, I've come that they might have life and not just any life that they may have it to the what the full. Okay, so, you with me? That's not very compelling. Okay, listen. Let's, let's just, for a second, let's just stick with the sheep-shepherd-gate picture. So, a shepherd, if he frequented the same fields or often spent time in the same mountain passes with his sheep, eventually he would build a fold It was often constructed of stones, sometimes spare pieces of wood or brush. If it was built with stone, it was a lot of work. It was meant to last a long time. It would be about thigh high. It would be stones all the way around and there'd be one small opening. In fact, there was a practice amongst the shepherds is they would take their staff They would lay it across this opening in the structure. And as the sheep came in for the night, they would count them. One, two, three. That's how we get the parable of the lost sheep. A man had a hundred sheep, but he lost one of them because when they passed under the staff, there was only 99. You with me? Okay, so these sheep... Once they're inside the fold, that's to protect them from anything that threatened them. Where would the shepherd sleep? The shepherd would sleep in the doorway. So nothing could get out and nothing could get in unless it went through the shepherd. These sheep, they always went out and found pasture, they always had plenty of grass. So if you could imagine for just a second imagine that sheep could talk to other sheep it would sound a little like this so who's your shepherd oh our shepherd's jesus really what's it like being one of jesus's sheep oh it's awesome it's awesome like we have the best grass we always he always takes us to the best grass and we we always have plenty to drink in fact our shepherd jesus he leads us where oh beside still waters the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he leads me beside still waters because sheep they're kind of a skitsy bunch he wouldn't take them into fast rushing water because they can't stand in the fast rushing water he takes them into the slow pools of water so they could be washed off and so they could take water in without any threat to their safety. In other words, the discussion amongst the sheep of Jesus would be, you can't imagine how good we have it. We have the best kind of life a sheep could ever want. But we're not here to talk about sheep, are we? We're here to talk about you and me, people who've made a decision to place our faith in Jesus. And when we come into relationship with him, we are not only saved, we are safe. And then Jesus comes to tell us this, that I've come that they might not only enjoy a wonderful life, they may have it to the full. What in the world does that mean? What does that one word mean that separates it from this kind of typical use of the word life? Well, let's figure that out. The word comes from this Greek word, perisos right and here's what it means that word full means more than there's life and then there's more than life That means abundantly. I have come that they might have life abundantly. It's beyond what is anticipated. You are anticipating something in life, but what Jesus offers is something beyond that. It's exceeding expectations. I have a certain set of expectations for life, but wait a second. If I'm in the fold where Jesus is a shepherd, I could expect something that exceeds even my greatest expectations. I have come that you might have life to the full. It means a superior kind of life, an extraordinary kind of life, a a life that's surpassing the normal experience of most people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's an uncommon life. In other words, there aren't a lot of people living this kind of life. People in a relationship with Jesus are in a a position to enjoy an uncommon kind of life that's not possible if you're not in a relationship with Jesus. So here's what I'm concerned about. Like just for me personally. I may be leaving a lot of life on the table. That I'm actually not experiencing all that Jesus offers to those of us in a relationship with him. And I'd like you to consider. That maybe you're leaving a lot of life on the table. That you're not experiencing all that there is in a relationship with Jesus. That there's so much more. It's beyond expectations. Now, I'm going to make an attempt to try to describe to you what an abundant life looks like, what a life to the full means. I'm going to try to explain that, but maybe the best place to start is to tell you a little bit about what it's not. You guys ready to go there? Are you ready? Here's some things that I know. Worry is not abundant life. We're going to talk about that. In this series. If your life is consumed by worry. You're not living life to the full. In a relationship with Jesus. You're like. That's where we're going to start. Are they going to get any better? Probably not. (laughs) Greed. Greed is not abundant life. If your life is consumed. And pursuing the almighty dollar. And all of the comforts and conveniences it buys. You are not living the abundant life. You're missing out. You're leaving life on the table. Unforgiveness is not abundant life. We're gonna talk about that next week. Insecurity, believing lies about yourself that leave you feeling diminished, demeaned, um, less than as a person, you're not living an abundant life in your insecurities. Addiction is not abundant life. It's not what Jesus has for you. There's so much more than living a life controlled by some kind of substance or behavior. Control is not the abundant life. If you're in a position where you always feel like you have to manipulate, make people do what you want them to do and behave the way that you want them to behave, I'll just tell you, that's not an abundant life. And boring is not an abundant life. I'll just go on record as saying, if your Christian life is boring... You're missing out. Something's not right. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So here's what I'm just proposing. Okay. I can't make you guys do anything. I've learned that a long time ago. I can't make you do anything. I can invite you to consider something. What if in the year 2022, we took a spirit of let the adventure begin. I'm willing to go on an adventure, Paul. I'm willing to drop some of my need to control and have all the answers and everything go my way. I'm willing to go on an adventure. For just 12 months, would you be willing to go on an adventure with me? Just, thank you, thank you. (laughs) What I've found is that some people, they love adventure and they run toward it and some people, they run away from it. So here's what I want you to ask yourself, yourself which one are you are you the person that runs toward adventure or do you run away from it and which one would you like to be so it's a little movie reference okay we'll see if any of you get it you ready what's the first rule of Fight Club you don't talk about Fight Club what's the second rule of Fight Club you don't talk about Fight Club do you know what the first rule of adventure is? The first rule of adventure is adventure always happens outside your comfort zone. It always happens outside your comfort zone. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you one of the most profound teaching observations that you've ever experienced. You ready? You ready? I worked, I worked for weeks on this. Outside your comfort zone is by nature uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you prefer being comfortable, you can't go on adventures. Because adventures are uncomfortable by nature. It's not how we would often prefer to feel. Adventures by nature are unusual. They're different from how we typically go about our life. Adventures are unfamiliar. They're things we've never done before. They're brand new. And adventures by nature are unpredictable. We're not sure exactly how they will go. So if you want... To do something that's uncomfortable and unusual and unfamiliar and unpredictable. You can go on an adventure. But if you want to just stay in your safe place. If you want to just do life in your sweet spot. Then you can't go on adventures. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And you're saying, some of you. I'm not comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, one of the best ways to know if you're on a true adventure? Butterflies. Being nervous. There's a part of going on adventures like, I don't want to be doing this, but there's something on the other side that I want more. A few years ago, I did a great zip line in Costa Rica. It was really high, but what made it so fun was it was down through. A really messy river gorge. Way up and looking down was nothing but these enormous boulders and this fast moving water. And I'm standing on the platform all hooked in. And I have the thought. If this line is not anchored into that rock on the other side. I won't live to tell about this. (laughs) And everything inside of me is like oh come on. I had to trust the equipment. I had to step off. That's when the adventure begins. You have to step off the platform. If you're not feeling a certain level of apprehension and reluctance and resistance, are you really on an adventure? John Orberg says this, a decision to grow always involves a choice between risk and comfort. And what I'm finding is that God often asks people to step outside of their comfort zone all through the Bible. The Bible is full of examples of God asking people to do things they were uncomfortable with doing for most normal reasons. So God said, hey, Noah, Noah, you want to go on an adventure? Sure, God, what would you like me to do? I'd like you to build this enormous ark because I'm going to flood the earth. And Noah's like, what's an ark and what's a flood? Because that had never happened before. And for many, many years, Noah steps out on the adventure. And and I can't imagine that after a few years, he's like, "Um, God, remind me again why we're doing this. Because right now, a lot of people in town are making fun of me. Like, God, I've become a meme. I mean, I'm building this enormous boat for something that we've never seen or done before. Are you willing to go on the adventure, Noah? Moses are you willing to go on an adventure are you willing to lead a group of people out of slavery to the promised land sure God what does that mean well I want you to I want you to leave and you're you're going to get to the Red Sea and the the Egyptian army is chasing you down to take you back into slavery and here's what I want you to do I want you to step down into the sea God there's like 2 million people depending on me right now. What You want me to do what? I want you to step into the waters. God, if I step into the waters, all I'm going to do is like, I'm going to just get wet. Moses, do you want to go on an adventure with me? Do you want to see some things that you can't see unless you go on the adventure with me? David, do you want to go on an adventure with me? Will you be willing to walk out onto the battlefield and face an enormous soldier with just a couple of rocks in your hand? Are you willing to go on an adventure with me? Peter, are you willing to go on an adventure with me? Sure, God. What do you want me to do? I want you to step outside of that boat here into the lake. Uh, God, there's a storm. I'll drown. You want to go on an adventure? Okay. The apostle Paul, you want to go on an adventure? You want to preach to crowds of very angry people and be stoned and beaten and sent to prison? Well, if you would like to go on an adventure, that's where we may end up. But I want to know if you're willing to go. Does this make sense? All right. Want to do a little test drive? Uh, Yeah, that's what I thought. You're like, uh, wait a second. No, I was like, I want to see how adventurous you are. Let's talk about one of the most difficult adventures that God asked us to go on. Now here's the deal, just, just consider it. I'll just tell you in advance, this particular adventure is way outside of most people's comfort zone. If you're a human being, if you're not, That's another discussion. But if you're here and you're a human being, I'll just tell you there's something about being a human being that's very resistant to this adventure. If you're an American, this kind of adventure is really hard for you. It goes against our entire historical lineage. If you're male, if you're a man, this adventure is really, really hard for men. If you spent time in the military this adventure is really hard for you. It goes against the grain of everything that you've taught and trained for. Okay, I'm not trying to stir trouble here, but if you're a woman with children, this is a really, really difficult adventure to go on. I've also found that if you're wealthy, people with a lot of money rarely choose to go on this adventure. You Wanna know what it is? It's the adventure, I don't think you're ready. (laughs) Before I reveal what this adventure is, I need to tell you this, that once I show that word, something's gonna happen in your soul. Your soul's going to react. And I'm just encouraging you, pay attention to how your soul reacts. It's an indication of your willingness to go on the adventure. Whatever you do, do not say no right away because if you say no right away, that's just you standing on the platform of the adventure unwilling to step off. You ready? The adventure of surrender. The adventure of surrender. Now, before you make a decision, Surrender in most people's minds is a battle term It has to do with war and conflict. And in most people's mind, surrender is defeat and failure. It's giving up. It's quitting. It's, it's an embarrassment. It's a dishonor to surrender. It's, it's about giving your life over to domination and servitude. And guess what? We don't like that. As Americans, we don't like that as men we don't like the idea of surrender as women with children we don't like the idea of surrendering everything that we have because that might include our kids we are wealthy we don't like the idea of surrendering everything that we have because surrender surrender goes against the grain of our higher more noble values like success and victory and courage and persistence and independence and freedom But that is not what Jesus is talking about when he asks us to be willing to surrender. He's talking about not giving up in defeat. What he's asking us is to do is to turn our lives completely over to him. Everything about our lives turning our marriage over to him, turning our parenting over to him, turning our money over to him, turning our career over to him, turning our health over to him, turning our world and how we relate to it over to him to give God complete surrender of our lives. Are you willing to go on that adventure? Surrender is about turning over the control who's in charge of your life. It's about giving up authority for your own life and letting God be the sole authority in your life. So God is inviting you and he's inviting me to go on an adventure of surrender, of opening up our hands and all that we hold in them and giving them over to God and allow him to be in charge of us. And all I'm inviting you to consider is, would you be willing for 12 months in the year 2022 to go on the adventure of learning what it is to surrender your life to God? To turn everything that you want, that you desire, that you crave, to turn it over to his plans, his purposes, his direction. Here's what surrender looks like. Surrender is, I will accept whatever God chooses for me. What? he chooses i will wait for as long as it takes because when we start getting impatient with god for not giving us what we think we want what we're saying to him is i'm not willing to surrender this thing to you because i don't like as long as it's taking surrender is i'll do whatever he asks i'll give up whatever he wants i will go wherever he leads surrender is offering everything you are and everything you have and everything that you want to God. Are you willing to step out on that adventure this year? Surrender your insistence to control everything and everybody. Surrender your insistence to know the entire plan before you even start. Surrender your insistence for answers to all your questions for certainty, comfort, and convenience to surrender your insistence for timeframes and deadlines. Are you willing to truly turn your life over to God and his way? It's interesting, the discussion in the Bible, we talk about Jesus as our savior. He saves us, but there's also a fascinating discussion that Jesus is invited to be our Lord, our boss, the king, to be surrendered to him as the one who's in charge of our life. Folks, if I want you to understand anything, I want you to understand this, is that the center of your soul is a throne. And only one person or one thing can sit on that throne at a time. It's only big enough for one person, one thing. Only one thing can be at the top of the list of who's in charge and who has authority over your life, only one person. And for some people, they let their kids be that authority and they live their life subservient to the demands of their children. Sometimes it's your job and your career that's the boss in your life. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's your addiction. You've given control over to the addiction in your life or sometimes the one that sits on this throne is you. You're gonna be the master of your fate. You're gonna be the one in charge of the calls that are made in your life or you'd be willing to surrender it to God. Joshua said this, as for me and my house, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna serve the Lord. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Seek first God's kingdom. That's is about rule. This is about authority. This is about Jesus being in charge. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things that you worry about, They'll be added to you. But the first and most important decision is who's going to be in charge of your life. You will spend the rest of your life wrestling with who will be in charge of that throne until you make the decision to turn it over to Jesus. Does that make sense? All right, we gotta go. There's a verse in the Bible I think I could use the words, it haunts me. It, it creates something down inside of me every time I hear it. And honestly, I'd like it to haunt you so that I don't have to be alone. And this verse is this. No. Where'd my verse go? Second Chronicles 16, please. Is it not there? Wonderful. Strong finish. It was? You saw it? My problem. There it is. My apologies. It was my fault. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Now I've lost the moment, but look at this verse. The eyes of God, they range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking over the entire population of the world and he's in search of that rare human being who's willing to be completely committed to him. Why? Because to the one who's completely committed to him, he has a life for them that's unmatched to anybody else's life. So let me ask you to stand together. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes here in a second. I'll give you three options. You choose the one that's most comfortable for your sense of adventure for surrender right now. You can, you can keep your hands to your side and kind of do this. I'm about this surrendered to you right now, God. Or you can do this. My God, I'm just opening my hands and I'm putting my life out there. I don't know what this means. I don't know where this will take me, but I'm willing this much. Or maybe you'd say, "Uh -uh, I'm going on the adventure. This year, I I will be interested in being fully surrendered to you. I will seek it. I will pray for it. I will pursue it. I will be fully surrendered to you. So with your eyes closed, you take the posture that best reflects your heart with where you are right now. Don't be ashamed for what you might choose. Just be honest. Our Father in heaven, you have invited us on an adventure called surrender. Of journey, of learning how to turn the control of our lives completely over to you, to trust you with our life, to trust you with our job, to trust you with our health, our kids, our money, to trust you with everything about our lives because you are trustworthy. God, there's so much in our spirit that wrestles and fights against turning the control of our lives over to someone else. So I'm praying that in this congregation, that you'll do that work in an amazing way this year. More and more people more fully surrendered to you in 2022. I pray and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who came that we might have life and life to the full. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.